Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If God lives in you, if the Spirit of Christ is in you, Christ is in you, then the body is considered dead. Earlier he told us to reckon the old man dead. Here he's saying, as a matter of fact, as far as God is concerned, it, it is dead. If Christ has moved in, then it's dead. It's no longer the dominating factor. In the spiritual reality, my flesh has already been dealt with for far as God is concerned. But I got to bring that spiritual reality up to my present time. So if I can explain it this way, from God's perspective, you guys, you're holy. Self-discipline is a big challenge for most people. But what about when you have two natures worn inside you? The Bible talks about the idea of two natures at war on us. It speaks about the old man, who is our flesh, and the new man, who is our renewed spirit. In today's message, Pastor Bill gives us insight into this battle. He talks about what it means to feed the spirit and resist the flesh. It's not always easy, but if we are in Christ, he'll give us the power to be victorious over our old flesh nature. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. God, we pray you would meet with us. Speak to us through your word. God, have your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So like I said, Romans 8, we're going to cover verses 10 to 25. A lot of what we're learning about in Romans chapter 8, we're learning about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. In Romans 7, we were left with this great struggle. How that, you know, Paul said, man, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And he, he was just explaining the battle of everybody that gets born again and says, man, now there's a part of my nature that's born again that wants to do right. That lives in a part of my nature that used to be fallen and wants to do wrong. And the spirit and the flesh are constantly at war. And so how do we get a victory then? How do we come to the place where rather than the flesh dominating the spirit, we come to a place where the spirit is dominating the flesh because the two are going to have to live together. So it's kind of like having a bully. You know, if you got somebody that's a, a bully and they ain't going nowhere, y'all live in the same building. You're going to see them every day. You know, either you just continue to be dominated and scared to come out the house and you just being dominated by the bully or, you know, you might go get you some martial arts classes or get you some kind of weaponry or whatever. But you want to get to the place where since I have to dwell here with it, I need to have victory over it. And so you're not going to get out of the flesh until we go to heaven and we get a new body created in heaven with all the fallen desires to be gone. But until then, I do live in this fallen piece of flesh. I live in the same flesh that I used to walk around in when I wasn't saved. And so when I wasn't saved, the things that I indulged in and enjoyed and participated, I live in that same flesh now. And so the flesh is like, hey, remember that? Hey, remember? Ooh, ooh. you know, the flesh still crying out for the old stuff. But then there's a new nature in the, the spirit of God lives in us. And he's saying, oh, I got something new for you, a new life. So how that's what we're learning in Romans 8. How do we come to the place where the spirit is is, is granting us victory over the flesh. And we're going to continue that today. The last verse, the verse we stopped at last week was verse 10. And it says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. So verse nine said, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so we paused and we talked about that. If God said, if you don't have my spirit, you're not mine. So we went through several ways to kind of identify whether or not we have the Holy Spirit. 
Um, we talked about the work of the spirit in us, how he convicts us, how he leads us, how he you know, directs us, how he guides us into all truth. We talked about what we can do to the spirit. We can quench him, grieve him, resist him. And so we looked at those things, how we can identify that work. So now come to verse 10, Romans chapter eight, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And God is saying this, if God lives in you, if the spirit of Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, then the body is considered dead. Earlier, he told us to reckon the old man dead. Here he's saying, as a matter of fact, as far as God is concerned, it is dead. If Christ has moved in, then it's dead. It's no longer the dominating factor. In the spiritual reality, my flesh has already been dealt with for far as God is concerned. But I got to bring that spiritual reality up to my present time. So if I can explain it this way, from God's perspective, you guys, you're holy and redeemed and pure and perfect. But when you looked in your mirror this morning, did you see someone holy, perfect and flawless? No, you didn't. Not if you look at, you know, with reality, you know, you looked at, you know, you looked at flaws, you looked at a fallen nature, you looked at a body that's dying, you looked at, you know, we didn't look at what he sees. What he sees, we will one day be. One day, all this is going to be redeemed. One day, we're going to be like him. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be even like him. We'll know even as we are known. One day, I won't have a fallen nature. I'm going to have a, a new body that's created, made for heaven. I'm not going to have a, a sin nature. When you get to heaven, you'll never struggle with sin again. You'll never have a fleshly thought. You'll never do the wrong thing again. But until then, uh, we need to have some victory over the flesh. Amen. And so God says the reality, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So this is important. God says, just remember who lives in you. When you get born again, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to live in you um, immediately. That's the, the immediate you know, reaction. God said, you believe I come to take up residence in you. You have the Holy Spirit. So there are some churches that teach uh, this a little different. There are some that believe that they're, you know, you you have to you get saved and then you, you know, they don't recognize the spirit dwelling in you until there's, you know, other manifestations. Some look for the the gift of tongues as the evidence of the filling of the spirit. I'm going to just put it like this. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Now it comes our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Am I filled with the spirit? Do I do I live in a continual state of yielding to the spirit and allowing him to guide me and to control my life? That's walking in the fullness. If I were to come up here and say, everybody, you know, I'm going to teach you guys how to, you know, evidence the fullness of the spirit. And I said, Right now, just repeat after me. I'm gonna say shoulda bought a Honda, and I say it fast. Shoulda bought a Honda. Shoulda bought a Honda. Just say it, say it, say it. And I get everybody here, and we all sound alike, and we're like shoulda blah blah blah. And I'm not making fun. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gift of tongues. I pray in tongues, right? But I recognize this that we can get together in a group like this, which would be unbiblical anyway, and all get up and do that, and nobody be filled with the Spirit. The evidence that I'm filled with the spirit is going to be evidence in my day to day life. If I'm yielding to the spirit, is the spirit of God being allowed to control my life. Am I walking yielded to him? It'll be evidence in how I love people, how I treat people, how I behave, how I live when no one's watching. It'll be evidence in so many other ways. I could be living in absolute carnality and get up here and go shut up about our Honda. Shut up about I got to do that. Anybody can do that. So it's interesting to me that people have made that the evidence. The one thing you could fake. And put down the evidence that can't be fake. You can't fake walking in the spirit for real. Um, you can do it for a couple minutes. 
But you can't live in the fullness. You can't fake living in the fullness of the spirit. So I just want to put that to rest. I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not stupid. And I recognize that one thing Satan has done is taken. He, he many times take that which is real and powerful and substitute it for that which is powerless. Let me give you guys something that you can all do that has no power whatsoever and disregard the thing that would really cause you to walk in victory in your life for real. I'm saying I'm going to put down the thing that can be faked and encourage us to have the real deal interaction with the Holy Spirit. I want to walk in the fullness for real. I want there to be power in and through my life that when I walk out there and I get hit with a temptation or I get led to do something, the Spirit of God is really filling my life and I'm having victory over my flesh. My flesh is saying, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. And the Holy Spirit's like, man, shut up. I run this, you know. He's just that in charge. You know, he's been dominating the flesh for so long. We want to get to that place where the Spirit dominates the flesh. Your flesh will still be there saying he wants to do the wrong thing or she doesn't want to do the right thing. But when you live yielded, you'll get to the point where the spirit of God is in you and he's strong. He's been fed. He's been yielded to. He's been allowed to be in control and he'll just be putting your flesh in check on a regular basis. Anybody here ever seen a bully put in their place? It's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to say I don't like a little bit of violence, right? But um, there is a part of me that likes to see bad people get it. You know, I think everybody have a little bit of that in them. It's called justice, you know, but I have witnessed. Um, I used to work at a school and, you know, you work at a school and you realize they're different natured kids, different kind of kids. Some real mild mannered, calm, quiet natured kid. And there's some bad kids, you know. So I'm working at this school and. There was one kid, just a bad kid, he chunky little dude. He's a bully. He's bothering people, messing with people all the time. And there's this other kid, if you look at him, he looked like your classic nerd. Glasses, braces, kind of quiet, you know, awkward. Just not really, you know, but he's a good kid, you know. And I, I witnessed this at a distance. It happened so fast, but I was at a distance, and I'm looking at this kid bully a kid into the, they were at the vending machine. This kid puts his money in. This kid bumps him out of the way. And once the money goes in, pushes what he wants. And so the kid puts money in, but he didn't get what he wants. He's obviously standing there, has something to say about it. Now the bully kid is all up in his face. And the kid just, he backed up two steps. I thought he was trying to avoid the fight. I didn't know this kid knew martial arts. <laughs> There's nothing about his demeanor said that he's in karate or whatever he was in. He just took two steps back like this. In came the bully kid for one touch. And it just went blah, blah. All I seen was a bloody mouth, a bloody nose, and a kid on the floor. Then I say, stop, stop. And I jumped in there. And as I walk him to the office, I remember just saying, like, the kid that the kid that looked like he took the damage. I'm like, it's kind of his fault. He's the kid. He started it. I don't look like it looked like he did all the damage. He started it and made this kid. I was pleading that this kid could, could you not suspend him? For he just was defending himself, you know. So he had to sit in the office and they called his mom, but he got a pass. That kid got beat up. And I, it was a part of me that just said, I bet you will never do that to him again. <laughs> I bet you will never be at his vending machine looking for him. You'll never do that again. You know, it's over. Put in this place. So what I'm saying is the flesh have done that in some of our lives so long. Just been there taking your stuff out the vending machine. And, and then afterwards, you're like, that's not what I wanted. But, but you got you stuck with it because you've been allowing the flesh to dominate. Well, God is saying in the spirit realm is what I will do in you is I'll beat that dude up. I'll put him in his place. You got to just let me be in charge. You got to just yield to me. I can dominate him. He has no power over me. So we have to be yielded to the spirit. That makes sense? Okay, so that, that's where we're trying to get to where we live in the spiritual realm. We're spiritual beings, um, but some of us are experiencing spiritual failure 
but we can have spiritual victory through the spirit. And that's where God is wanting to bring us to. So that's that's just a visual because uh, that helps me out when I think sometimes. So the, the, we want to get the bully beat down, you know, put it put in his place. So God says, look, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So think about that kind of power. Jesus in his humanity was crucified to death. They confirmed his death by piercing his side and watching water and blood come out. He was definitely dead. But he said the same spirit that came into him that raised up Jesus from the dead, that made a dead man live again. And, and then he didn't just live again. He lived again better. He was resurrected in new power, greater power than before. God said that same spirit lives in you. And because sometimes we we're unaware of what's in us, what God has made available in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So God said, look, that same spirit that did that lives in you and he will give life to your mortal bodies. He'll give life to us. God will put his life will come into us just the same. So this is interesting. We know from Romans 8, 1 that we are in Christ, that we're in him. But we're going to see from Romans 8, 11, not only are we in Christ, but Christ is in us. And it, it makes a difference. I know I'm in Christ. I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. But God says, for your time on earth, I've come. I moved into you too. And so there's a spiritual reality that exists inside the believer. And so moving on, um, the last part of verse 11, but the, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so God said, I'm going to give life to your mortal bodies, my life, spiritual life, the victorious life. I'm going to give you that through my spirit that dwells in you. And so one thing that we have to consider with our lives is if God's saying, look, if you're saved, I live in you. And because I live in you, I'm able to give you this kind of victory. Then everybody's not experiencing it. What do we need to do to tap in? What do I have to do to tap into real spiritual victory? And most times what people think when it comes to having spiritual victory, they start thinking of what they're going to do in their own strength. You know, um, you know, I'm going to really try harder. I'm going to work really, really, really hard. I'm going to I'm going to do my best. I'm going to I'm, I'm and it starts. It starts and ends with you. And anybody here that's come up with a spiritual game plan that starts and ends with you, I guarantee you it failed eventually. Some of y'all have failed right away. Some of y'all have went a little while. You did OK for a minute. Then it failed. And so we don't really have the power to bring about victory in our lives. It's our yielding to the spirit, it's our giving place, saying, Spirit of God, live in me, live through me, do your work out of my life. God, you have your way in me. And just letting God do it. God says, I'll bring about victory in your life. And so I wrote these things down. And you can, if you're taking notes, you can just put it down. Uh, in verse nine, we see that the spirit dwells or he makes himself at home. The word dwell means to settle down and be at home. The spirit dwells in the believer. He wants to settle down and make himself at home in us. In verse 11, the spirit gives life to our mortal bodies. As we get down, we'll make our way to verse 13. Verse 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That is a word right there. First of all, in verse 12, he says, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to. We don't owe your flesh nothing to live according to. Who are we debtor to? We're indebted to anybody. Who are we indebted to? 
Christ, right? He paid a debt we could never, God paid a bill you could never have afforded. So if I'm in debt, I'm in debt to the Lord. If it's someone that I'm saying, I just want to make it up to you somehow, I want to live for you, I want to, I'm indebted to you forever, that's Jesus, right? God says you are not a debtor to your flesh. You don't owe your flesh nothing. So when your flesh is knocking, say, hey, remember that? Owe oh, you nothing? Hey, can we? No, no, I don't owe you nothing. You know, we owe, it's over. It's like a bad relationship. We're done. Stop calling. You know, that's that's the attitude you want to take toward the flesh. Like, it's, it's a wrap. Don't call me. Don't text me. I don't acknowledge you. I'm ignoring you. I don't owe you nothing. We done. It was bad while it lasted. You know, that's the relationship with the flesh. We are not debtors. I owe you nothing. I owe Jesus everything. Everything I owe him. He's done everything for me. If you can look back, and this is what some people do, and I, I want you to do it the right way. Some people look back at the life of the flesh, and they remember the good times. Oh, remember the parties? Oh, and the par whatever it was for you. It was the alcohol, the drugs, the, the times, the, the whatever. Is it. Whatever your mind would look back and say, oh, man, I remember we, oh, whatever. But the, you know what your flesh won't remind you? All the bad times. The flesh won't wake you up and say, remember them hangovers? Oh, man, remember that jail time? Remember, remember them diseases? Remember whatever it costs you? Remember this, that, and the other? He won't remind you of that. He'll remind you of the other stuff. But you think back to the life of the flesh. It cost you. It was You were living. You were dying while you were living. And the Bible tells us later on that, you know, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It's going to eventually amount to death. So God says you're not debtors to the flesh to live according to it or to do what it says. But in verse 13, if you highlight your Bible underline, this is a key verse to life of victory in the spirit. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Guarantee the fleshly life will bring about death. If you live according to your flesh, it's going to bring about death. That's just, I mean, I don't don't really need a whole lot of interpretation. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. The flesh is going to bring about death. Physical death, spiritual death, all sorts of things, it brings about death. It says, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And I want to explain how this works. As God says, it's by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. God said, if you allow my spirit to reign in you, it'll put to death the deeds of your body. This is how it works, you guys. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And everybody here has, if you're saved, he lives in you and he speaks to you. And sometimes he's telling you what to do. And sometimes he's telling you what not to do. Sometimes he's whispering this way, leading you that way, guiding you the other way, beckoning you this way. He's there. He's working because if he lives there, that's what he does. So if you listen to what I'm saying, you say, I don't know anything about that. I ain't never had him beckon me, lead me, guide me. That he might not be living in you and you need to invite him in. Right. But if you're born again of the spirit of God, that's what he does inside the believer. This is what we do, though. We can turn that value way down. It's how you turn the value down. Just ignore him long enough. Anybody ignore somebody long enough, you'll stop, you stop hearing it. Me and my wife recently moved back to Inglewood, but I lived in Inglewood my whole life. And when we first got married, we lived right by the 405, an apartment. And we were in the second story, and we were right in the flight path. So airplanes would fly over the house. And this is before they put the, the, you know, the dual pane, you know, uh, soundproof windows in everybody's place. We lived there when you literally when the plane would go over, you would hear the windows, they rattle. But after a year or so there, I didn't hear it no more. And I'd be on the phone with somebody, like, what is that noise? I'm like, I just airplane, <laughs> it ain't nothing, you know. I, it wasn't bothering me, it was like nothing. I didn't hear it. And then I, I go away and come back, and it's like, man, I'm glad for the soundproof now. You know, I don't hear you don't hear it now, but I, I remember you just get dull, you get you get numb to it after a while, right? 
the Holy Spirit would be there speaking to you and you could resist him uh, so long where it's like, I don't hear it no more. I mean, he's there, but you just have resisted him to where the volume is way down. How do you turn that back up? Just today, you just begin now. God, I'm sorry that I resist you. I'm sorry that I don't yield to you when you speak. But starting today, uh, because you're still there and you're still speaking, the next thing I hear you tell me to do, I'm going to just do it. And then just do that again. Let that become the pattern of your life. And you'll find that his volume is way up. You'll hear him. You hear him real well. You become quite in tune to his voice. There's some people voices that you, you just know so well that even if they try to distort it, you're like, man, shut up. I know who that is. That's you. You know, me and my sister always mess around like that. I call changing up our voice. She's going to have to do it to somebody else. I mean, at this point in time, I know her voice. I know her. I know her. Her sound trying to sound crazy voice. I know her trying to sound like the girl at the nail shop voice. You know, I know her voice. You know, she can't really she can't mess it up for me. You know, we want to know the Lord's voice that clear. But you just got to obey. That's how you turn up God's value. God says, if by the spirit. You put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. So this is how, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. It's yielding to the Spirit. The body is begging to do this. The Spirit is telling you what the right things to do. When you say, God, I'm going to do whatever you say. And the body is getting shut down. And the Spirit is saying, go witness. And I'm going to go against my flesh. My flesh is saying, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. They're not going to listen. But I do it anyway. And the flesh is beat down by the Spirit of putting to death the deeds of my body. Body's begging me to go back into some old thing. Oh, go. You need to tell him something about that. You need to you need to let them know they can't talk to you like that's what my flesh talks like that to me, you know. And and the spirit is saying, man, let that go. Let that go. Jesus got beat for you. What you doing? Pride. Oh, yeah, I'm prideful. God, forgive me. And you yield to the spirit. Put the flesh down. He got beat down. And you do that over time and that'll become your new normal. And you'll be a person that's walking in the spirit. That's what it is to walk in the spirit. Not jumping back and forth like hopscotch in the flesh, in the spirit, in the flesh, in the spirit. You'll be over here consistently walking in the spirit. And that's when God said, look, it's by the spirit. You put to death the deeds of the body. Your flesh, you'll still be in it, but he'll seem powerless. He's been crying out to do something. And so let me say this for anybody having an ongoing struggle. Um, some of us, we just struggle with the flesh in general, but some of us have deep rooted, ongoing struggles with a particular thing. So when it comes to something like that, um, for me, one item was alcohol. Alcohol was an item like that. It was an ongoing, perpetual. That was something I did every single day that I got saved. And God was like, that's not going to work. You're not going to be able to do that and walk with me. I'll never be the person that can have a drink. I never had a drink. If I did, it was a big 40 ounce drink. You know, so it's just I don't drink. I just it's off the table for me. But what I learned was what I tried to do in the world was like, I'm going to wean myself off. You know, you can't wean the flesh. You guys know that you can't wean the flesh. You're not going to cut back. The flesh isn't going to say, OK, I'll take less. That's OK. A little less. Not a 40 talking. OK, all right. Okay. The flesh ain't going to work like that. The flesh is going to beg. It screams. It screams for more. I don't know who the artist is or it's some old song, but it's, it's some honest rock song. But the guy is screaming. I can't get no satisfaction. And he's screaming. I try and I try and I can't. That, that's the song of the flesh. Your flesh, it'd never be satisfied. It, it, it'd just be satisfied for a moment. And then it's like, I, we want more again. And so how do you put that to death? How do you overcome that? You starve it to death. That's how you overcome the flesh. The flesh just has to be cut off. None. Just bam. No, no alcohol, no more. And initially, because I walked through it, I can tell you, I have physiological, you know, my body was responding to not being able to have it initially my body was saying, no, go. You have to. 
I would drive by a liquor store and just see the crooked eye. And I couldn't even go get gum. My heart would, my, I could literally feel my heart beating and there was something internally saying, you need to go get that. I, I felt it. It wasn't just like in my head, right? It wasn't something I was going to be able to like, well, let me just get a small. Because I would have been going back for a big one. I'd have been right back where I started. But this is interesting because it was hardest in the beginning. Romans 5, 3-5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a transforming word.